Now entering Nerdist.com. Happy Masturbation May, everyone. Hey, was this, uh, was this on speaker? Were you supposed to put your headphones in? Guess what? Too late. Happy Masturbation May to you and all your office mates, maybe. Um, this episode is sponsored by AdamandEve.com. If you type in Sex Nerd at checkout, you'll receive 50% off almost anything in the store, free shipping, three free DVDs, and a special gift. This is important, especially during this wonderful holiday season of self-love, that you can go there and grab stuff, you know, that maybe will make your goods feel extra goody. Um, they have something I've been curious about called the Apollo Power Stroker. It's fifty nine ninety five. It's for male masturbation, and um, it's something that vibrates that you place your genitals inside of and move to and fro. And it also has a suction cup base with a uh, an angled arm, so you can hump it at different angles. I, it's just there's options, and I'm curious. Um, but anyway, they have that there. Pretty neat. Yay! Uh, again, go to adamandeve.com, type in sex nerd at checkout, receive 50% off almost anything in the store, free shipping, three free DVDs, and a special gift. Hey, can't lose. Enjoy. Friends, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, this week is a, a kind of a an episode that I it was surprised now exists because I went in thinking it was going to be about something else, and then it just kind of it became. It's an important topic, and it's how to pick a partner. Um, there's a lot of stereotypes around, you know, how to tell if the person is the right person to date. And I don't necessarily mean like partnership, like lifelong partnership, but I mean, you know, someone to have some sort of relationship with. Um, I thought I was just going to talk about how my friend is uh, giving up on dating for a time um, and related to general frustrations in dating. But no, no, this this became about something deeper. And I think really important um, because... I've, I don't know about you, but I've seen friends where I'm like, why are you picking that person? You know that that person is not going to be good for you. It's it's toxic. You're clearly unhappy or that's not a good fit. Um, I mean, but also like I've had relationships where my friends after we broke up were like, why, why, why? And I was like, um, I mean, you know, it was a, it was enjoyable. It was just fun. And so that's okay too. Um, it didn't, it didn't ha- it doesn't ha- your relationship doesn't have to necessarily make sense, but this is an episode all about picking wisely. Darn it. Oh, <laughs> and I feel strongly about this. So the first half of the episode is with my friend L Chase talking about 
uh, her experiences in dating recently and why she's stepping away from it and kind of a little freaked out about it right now. And then I we switched to um, my friend Kate Laurie, who is a, oh my goodness, I say her name wrong, Kate Laurie, who is a marriage and family therapist. She was on the sexual healing episode, which was just groundbreaking um, in terms of um, really helping a lot of people. Um, so I appreciate uh, her working hard to prepare for that episode. Um, and so uh, she's back on for a very fun episode uh, talking about just sharing her wisdom because she studied couples therapy and part of that is studying how people choose each other uh, which is important so buckle up the first half is going to be anecdotally full and the second does that even make sense it's going to be all about anecdotes second half is going to be all about facts and knowledge and so enjoy the buffet of things okay um no really thank you for listening and uh, i'll catch you on the flip side all right kids doing in here hey if you're under 18 go ask your mom now that we're alone let's start the show i'm getting a sense that the dating topic is is a little tender for you i don't think it's tender i probably have a more pointed um opinion than i would normally Okay. Um, and it probably, I'm getting out of it before I get bitter. <laughs> All right. Because I'm making, as I said, bad choices. So I'm just stopping until I can figure out why I'm making bad choices. Oh, okay. And, yeah. So, okay. So you're in sort of this this transition place mm-hmm. where you're you're giving yourself space. I would like to talk about this stuff because it's really interesting and I really don't have that much dating experience in my life. I mean, I'm, Neither I would why? Yeah. No, no. It's just the last four years. Okay. Okay. That's true. That's true. Cause you kind of had a, experienced a bit of a renaissance. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious about if it's a, re, you know, if it, is it a regional thing? Is it this city, Los Angeles is, you know, um, what, if, what are you, what are the choices that you're noticing? Cause I think a lot of people make, Decisions that come from this like primal, yeah, that's not the good place. I mean, conscious difference between your instinct and wanting to fuck or wanting to get married Mm -hmm. or wanting to be partnered with somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, the instinct never lies, but all the other stuff is ego, really. If you think about it, like wanting to get married, like not. I mean, ego in the most general sense, sort Mm -hmm. of in the gestalt of all of it. It's sort of, it's driven for a goal that is pre-set up you okay. know, by society, yeah. right? So, um, or we're lonely or whatever. Um, we want to partner up. But really, I mean, leave us alone and we're, fi- we're fine. Do you see what I mean? You mean like individually, I can yeah. take care of myself, I will be able to feed myself, yes. et cetera? Yes, I just need water and air and food. Um, and so uh, I think that... Um, it is it is easy to listen to that instinct. That instinct is is tied into um, what we actually need and not just what we want. Does that make sense? And also, yeah, our instincts are tied into what we need, 
beyond that, the intellectualizing of it is things that we want. Mm-hmm. So does that mean? Does that mean that the instinct is what we should be listening to? I think the instinct is what you lead from, and then you use your experience and your mind to to either give it a grain of salt or just you know ignore it like i've done i've ignored my instincts and gotten into you know hot water or i've paid attention to them even though my brain has said not to you know oh but i've i've ignored my instincts and like successfully like (laughs) but see that's where your experience comes in you see what i mean so in my opinion life is like a series of gaining experiences and learning from them and through that builds informs your instinct a lot but also, you know, we're given free will. We're, we're given all these tools to make decisions with. It's up to us how we use them. I have feelings. Okay, tell me. In that, I was I was struggling with this the other day, and we'll totally introduce you in just a I'll, second because I realized I just realized like we just got into it. But the other day, I was I was struggling with the idea that we need to have experience in order to make better decisions, hmm. and the fact so we just need to like flop around and kind of doggy paddle and slightly drown in, in romance like like in so many ways and just make does that mean the longer that someone dates and screws up and like struggles like a decade goes by two decades goes by like that's all that just means they're building up to something or can you how can you be primed to make better decisions from the get-go and just now when you were saying that i thought oh Storytelling. That is how we learn through other people's experiences. Yet movies just present the same crap over and over again. That doesn't actually movies, yeah. Right. It doesn't actually help us make better because I've been informed and like, well, that character did this and like that happened, so maybe I'll do this. But in the end it didn't prepare me for most things because it was so narrow minded. Mm -hmm. All the movies I would watch and the T V shows and the cartoons, everything. I so then you just end up We need better storytellers. We need better storytellers, and we also need, I think, within those stories, it needs to not just rely on the story, but also rely on the message as well, or be more uh, more clear with a message. I don't think it's necessarily experience that makes a better relationship or a better life or, or whatever. I mean, often that is the case. And I think if you are really sort of in tune with yourself and what is true for you, which often doesn't come until we're older, let's face Mm it. Um, But, you know, if you ask, if you ask a little child, do you like it or do you love it? (laughs) You know, they'll sit there and they'll think about it for a second and they'll check in and they'll go, I love it. Okay. Um, Have you ever asked a child? Oh, ask them. Well, now I need to. You need to blow their mind. They're like, oh, there's a difference. Oh my God, I've got to figure out what the difference is. So what my mother used to do is we'd go to like Toys R Us. I want the Barbie. I want it so bad. And, you know, we weren't rich. So it's like, no, you can wait till Hanukkah. So, (laughs) um, uh, So after a while of nagging, it's like, okay, look at me. Do you want it or do you need it? And, you know, for a little girl, need is very specific, you know, to a little girl. Barbie is a need, mm-hmm. right? So I had to sit there and I had to think and I had to think and I just, I just want it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good for you. I'm proud of you. Like, <laughs> I go off swearing, the six-year-old sailor. That's fantastic. So what did you need then? Like, was there a particular toy? I don't, I don't remember 
I just had looked at the Barbie and I had figured out that if I had, I think that if I had left the Toys R Us, I would be fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I figured out need. I don't know, because I didn't think of anything else in its place for need. Man, I'm afraid of ever being a mom because I know it'll just be one long, like ex- just an experiment after another experiment. Of, of, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to be like fascinated by the process of <laughs> the human mind developing. Um, so, okay, let's let's back up from it. Hi, Hi. L. Chase. Hi. This is Welcome. my friend L. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Um, you and I have been running in circles a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been stalking you. You have been, <laughs> been sort of stalking. Wait, wait, yeah. You just went to what was the name of that class? It was like how to be the dominant man, how to be the dominant man, but in a in a non-threatening way to your woman. It was, was that the whole man. title. It was something in that general area. It was like how to how to be a, the dominant man. A woman really want. Yeah, something like that. Um, L, what do you do in the world? I tons of stuff. I mean, I know uh, smut from Smarties. Uh, dot com, which I haven't told you, but I actually go on sometimes and go and you know get my boner on. Um, <laughs> oh, or the or Lady Cheeky. Lady Cheeky is the pictures. Oh wait, no, but I thought for Smarty is that erotica, erotica and um, and like little articles, like sex positive, body positive stuff. Which because I saw like a bunch of little gifs and and that's pictures. Lady Cheeky. Really? Yeah. Well, fine then. That's where I'm getting my boner on. <laughs> that's usually where people get of the two. <laughs> That is usually the one. Well, I guess boner off. Boner makes off. Makes more sense. Or, <laughs> or, or, you know, it gives me a little more pep in my stuff. I hear you. I hear you. Um, but yeah, you run two websites. Uh, Lay it out there. All right. So LadyCheeky.com is the Tumblr blog that is women positive. It's body positive, And it's based on what I find is sexy and what turns me on, which is passion and desire and some sort of neat connection with some hardcore porn thrown in because mm-hmm. everyone has moods. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, and then in between I'll throw in, uh, because it's like kind of like Flintstones vitamins, you know, it's like, you don't know you're getting nutrition while you're eating. It's candy. Right. Ah. So I'll throw in some like sex education facts mm-hmm. in between or some quotes or something to just, you know, make it all different. So that's, um, lady cheeky smut for smarties is kind of an editorial and it's just, um, a place where I can rant on something that I'm, you know, upset about or something I'm backing or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I focus on sex educators, too, and ask them what their favorite sex toys are Ooh. in the smutty, smarty of sex. It's all with, you know, tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, and there's erotica and, um, yeah, and that's that. That's what those two are. Okay, so LadyCheeky.com, uh, SmutForSmarties.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have started, I mean, you've done, you've been, you've talked at a lot of conferences on panels mm-hmm. and you s- recently started ta- uh, teaching your big beautiful sex class yes. which we're going to talk about in a different episode because okay. I want to talk about your dating life right now okay all right so you're like okay okay um so what's going on lady <laughs> I mean give me the scoop I mean if I find myself in the dating market I want to know what's going on you said that you're making I'm making bad choices lately. And how do you know that? Because the the men that I'm choosing to go out with and choosing to answer um, turn out to be either um, physically dangerous or <laughs> um, or just complete 
douches. And I say that with love, but I'm picking like I'm picking like the bottom of the barrel lately. So there's got to be a reason because I can pick very well and I have in the past. So there's obviously I believe there's something must be going on with me where I'm just not picking well for some reason. So until I figure that out, I'm just not dating. What? How did you pick well before? Well, not incredibly well, but better. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I picked well before when I was most in tune with my instinct and most in tune with, um, with a desired result that would, um, that I thought would be sort of a a growth thing for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, you know, I dated someone for a while and we had this great just sexual experience and it was fantastic and, you know, uh, that and that ended and that was fine. It was fine for what it was. You know, a friend with benefits, fine for what it was. Um, But I haven't had, like, a partner um, and uh, mostly because I didn't want to after I got divorced. Mm-hmm. So um, now I'm just sort of getting back into sort of like, well, what would it be like to have a partner? Because I'm thinking, am I monogamish? Am I a swinger? Am mm-hmm. I poly? I don't know, because mm-hmm. I don't know how I would feel. So I kind of feel like I want to get into a relationship, not just for that reason, but mm-hmm. also to explore this new person that I am. Than I was, oh, so, so you're, you're you're in a, such a different place than how you used place. to be. You don't yeah. know how to go about dating in this new fangled in this new paradigm. Self. Yeah. So before it was all about sexual exploration mm-hmm. and um, trying new things and doing things I'm scared of. <laughs> um, and I did a bunch of stuff, and I learned what I liked and what I didn't like, and um, I sort of got that out of my system to an extent. Um, you're a late bloomer. I am a, a you're very self-described late, late bloomer. Self-described, very late bloomer. So, um, so there is though this anxiety that I have, even though I'm fine not dating. In the back of my head, there is this anxiety of like, okay, there's only so much time you have in your life now to catch up, <laughs> as far as like okay. sex goes, because um, it's a it's a different experience to be in a partnership with somebody and be having sex all the time or have that be your primary in the fantasy having sex all the time well yes in the in the beginning (laughs) in the beginning um but i think that uh it's i don't know it's just something i would like to try on for size uh i know i don't want to get married again Mm -hmm. i know i don't want to live with anybody so oh are you one of those people who were (laughs) married for a long time then had an epiphany and then left and are now like just like re because I know about four years ago you had a oh yeah no I'm like one of those reboot. people I'm one of those people how long I were you know. married for I was married for seven years we were okay. together almost ten okay um but it just I mean it I was it wasn't who I was mm-hmm. and I had this big sort of satori and I became more of who I feel like I am. Can I out you? Um, yeah, well, you were actually in the audience for... I, yes. Yeah, I'm like, wait, this has been on the show before. That's right. Yes. Okay, we covered this in the late the bloomers hole. episode. That's right. Okay. That's it. All okay, right. Yeah. And so on this journey, you were picking well and you were having a good time. Well, I wasn't picking well. Oh. I didn't pick well immediately because... But I picked appropriately for my mental state. 
How did you pick? I mean, I don't know. Usually it's just a gut reaction to someone's profile. Well, are, we, are we online dating as well? Is this well, seem- this was by accident. When I got out of my marriage, this was totally by accident. I met this guy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we started you know, communicating and then having sex online and then, you know, falling in love or whatever love was at the time. I just did air quotes because radio doesn't have eyes. And, um, and, uh, he was married and it became this big dramatic four year thing. Right. The best sex I ever had in my life. I mean, fan fucking tastic sex and changed my life in many ways, Mm -hmm. made me able to even teach the class, the big, beautiful sex class, Mm -hmm. but horribly destructive on an emotional level. However, I look back at it, I'm like, oh, thank God for that, because otherwise I wouldn't be where I am now, right? You learned so much. I did, even though, you know, he's nuts, and I was nuts. Doesn't (laughs) matter, because I learned a lot. And then, you know, that goes away, and then I picked a really nice, gentle, sweet, tantric man to explore other things with. Um, you keep saying picked, and I have to say, um, it, it sounds like people are clawing at you, and you're no, like, no, no, you. no, 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 no. I say picked. Let me let me go back for a second. Okay, I grew up with a very new age mother. Okay, so when I say picked, I mean the uh, the pick in that self-responsible way of what you're attracting and you choose to go in that direction. Choose like your to go in that energy di- drew someone yes. into your life. Yeah, I know. Oh, how funny. I'm like, gee, she is very confident. No, 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 no. I am. I hate myself on many levels. But, <laughs> okay. but And I promise you that is probably one of them. But, um, but when I say pick, I mean, you know, if you go online and then you get, as a girl, you're going to get a ton of emails. 99.9 of them are going to be from someone that you're not interested in. Um, and then, you know, you'll get that tenth of a percent where you're like, oh, they sound kind of neat. I kind of like yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I've right? had those. And then you'll decide to start uh, communicating back and forth or whatever, and if it feels good, you'll meet, okay? Mm-hmm. And just and hold that thought of the part where you meet, because just in what you said about the girls getting a lot of emails <laughs> and messages on... Like, Anyone who is trying to um, court women oh. on dating sites is feeling sl- probably maybe feeling slightly bitter when they hear that. Yeah. I, but it doesn't. It's not easier necessarily to be that person. Um, you just showed me a picture of a guy with his shirt off, holding a rifle, holding a rifle, a, and he's, uh, he's sitting. He's on, older and not maybe the best shape, but you know, it's with all, a black felt cowboy hat oh, with yeah. a braided thing. I can't forget that. Is he who you're picking in an energetic way? No, but way? this is where I'm getting I'm getting a lot of responses from from people that would never if they read my profile would never send you a gun picture would never send me a gun picture actually there's two guns uh oh, it looks like perfect. a shotgun in his right hand pointed at the sky fantastic and a it almost looks like a an Uzi awesome. <laughs> pointed at the screen well this is what this is what's coming <laughs> into my life so this is what i mean when i'm saying what i pick <laughs> so what i'm picking energetically are 54 year old men with Uzis and rifles pointed towards the screen uh toward the ceiling or the sky wearing black felt cowboy hats so that's mm-hmm. not and before when i'm in a better place god i'm going to sound so fucking crazy but at any rate before when i'm in a better place I get people in my inbox that are actually appropriate for me, mm-hmm. that have read my whole profile, that get my sense of humor, that get when I, what I mean when I say GGG, you know? Oh, oh GGG, right. Now, wait a minute. Oh, good. Yeah, I, wanna, game. <laughs> I was about to say, like, good gun baby or something. Good, like. good guns, good. 
Um, wait. This sounds rather passive. There is a profile, and you're saying that you're drawing to you different types of people now than before. Has your profile actually changed? Yes. Okay. It's changed, and also, I do I do approach mm-hmm. men, and the men that I approach have turned out to be completely wrong for me. Oh, so when you're like, hey, you. Yeah, you're cute. You are, you're a nice, you're a strudel. And it'll just turn <laughs> out to be like a guy who is a massive, you know, Republican for me is not great. Well, in hindsight, did you, do you look back and see warning signs or red flags that you just oh, didn't yeah. pick up? Or, so you, it's just, so it's not like a surprise. No, no, no. It's, um, it's that you were looking past things that would tell you soon whether or not it was good for you. Whereas before. Yes, that's the, that's the blessing in all of this. If there is a blessing in it, because, um, I have absolutely no ego when it comes to being turned down Mm -hmm. or not being responded to or not being asked out because I don't think it has anything to do with me, Mm -hmm. who I am really, because I responded to somebody just going off of a picture and a profile. You know what I mean? Right. And I thought that person was great. And then I go out with that person and I feel like my life is in danger. Uh, (laughs) Is this the guy with the cape? This is the guy with the cape. Okay. Yeah. uh, Without getting into the whole thing. Well, I feel like I could I could go into it, but I don't know. It's it's, it hasn't been recorded for body storytelling or no, but I'm telling it in uh, on June 4th. Body in San Francisco. Okay, if you're in San Francisco, body storytelling. June fourth. It's be telling a story about pretty creepy story. It's it's just it's like a storytelling show. I mean, we've talked. We've of course we've had it on the show before, and it was my uh, anniversary show and stuff. But usually, it's like, oh yeah, now they're getting naked. Oh, someone's knocking. You know, but this story was like, oh god, don't die. Oh god, don't die. Wait, she's she's telling the story, so don't. So maybe. um, And I didn't want to tell it, but Dixie, who does. Body storytelling stays with me once a month through the yeah, yeah, Los yeah. Angeles show. And she's like, You've got to tell that story. You have to tell that story. So there's no sex in it. She says, It's okay. It's okay. Look, we'll work it. All right. No, no it was good and memorable. And it's the darker side. Oh, of, yeah. Usually it's, Oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but like, yeah. sometimes it's like, No, really. I, I couldn't. No, really. I almost, yeah. And that's where the instinct comes in because mm-hmm. I should have left that situation way before I did. I should have trusted what my instinct said from all of my bad dates in the past of, you know, Mm -hmm. guys that believe we don't evolve and we just came here from aliens, those kinds of dates. So I should I should have known I should have trusted that. Mm -hmm. And even someone who is a a sex educator or Mm -hmm. who's very involved in sort of that world will make a bad decision. I made a very poor judgment because I was lonely. Mm. I mean, basically, I mean, just in a nutshell, Mm. From what I recall, you were meeting a guy at a place to have dinner, but then it became like meeting at his house, and then it was like getting up there, and then he made you wear an outfit that was weird, and then there was it was, it was a yeah. lot of like, am I going to have the closet of, of knives and and whips? Which uh, normally, yeah, you know, okay, whatever. But time later, here I am sitting talking to myself, going, "It's okay, you know, you know, people into this, they're totally fine, totally normal. It doesn't necessarily mean he's violent, you know." And then cut to. You know, the ride home where I feel like um, they're going to find my body on the Los Alamitos <laughs> racetrack. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, oh, my God. I guess that would be a wake up call. That was a, quite a wake up call. Yeah. Because yeah. you're lonely. Yeah. We do some dumb things when we're horny and lonely. 
Yes. <laughs> and you know what I was telling someone the other day? I was having this conversation about we can all talk about how um, embarrassing or whatever, talk about slut shaming or women not being okay with being horny or going out and getting something. But what I'm finding too is that there's all the shame around being lonely or being a single woman that admits that she's lonely. It even feels weird saying mm-hmm. that. But it's so true. Everyone gets that way. Yeah, right? definitely. I got that way last night. Well, there you go. Just because. Just because. I mean, we all have it. Mm-hmm. And then if we can call it, know it and see it and just go, oh, I'm not. I should. It's like getting your hair cut when you have your period. You just don't want to. Tell oh, me. is that a rule? Yeah, you don't want to do that. Oh, like going grocery shopping when you're hungry. Yes. You don't want to color your hair, or get your hair cut or buy expensive anything when you have your period. OK. I'm just saying that from one right. who knows. Right. You got to know your cycle. You got to know. <laughs> you got to know but, what. Yeah. But no matter who they are yet, yeah, hmm, don't date when you're lonely. Yeah. Unless you really know yourself and you, you've you got uh, unless you if you go to the supermarket hungry mm-hmm. and you know that you're not going to pick up the Oreos mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, um, then go and go get what you need and bring it home. Mm-hmm. Don't get what's gonna. Don't <laughs> get what's gonna. Right yes. Which is why I'm not dating, but I will still have sex. So how do you do? You just have different profiles for each thing. No, I have let this up. To, this part up to chance. Um, I seem to. I you know we all we all need a little uh, a little tender loving <laughs> every once in a while. So I will find that through means and people I know and and stuff like that. The way you're talking makes it sound like it's so taboo. I don't know. I don't know if it's taboo. It might be taboo. Girl's gotta get some action. Girl's gotta get some action. Or I'll go up to San Francisco where I have a couple of guys that I know that I'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'll just go without. So either way. Right. Just get some really expensive sex toys. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, what other signs have you had? So you're getting different, you're getting different messages in your inbox mm-hmm. from gun-toting guys, which is not your thing, and, and they very sh- young guys, very young guys. With, What's wrong with that? I'm just not, I'm just not attracted to young men usually. Okay. I, it doesn't mean I won't be. It's just it, the guys that I get them from are just obviously have not read my profile. You know, mm-hmm. it's hey girl. You know, let's, you know, let's hang some time. And there's like, he's in front of a very messy bedroom with lots of empty PBR tin cans. <laughs> you know, now that you say the whole thing about not dating when you're lonely, I guess that's some pretty low level fishing. And I've gotten that for sure. But I guess that works that they will get if they send that to every female, you know, that sparks their interest. Some people will bite back. Mm-hmm. So weird. So bizarre. Yeah, but I mean, but then you're, you just know that because you're not looking, you're just looking for some warm physical contact. Yes. So you're ta- so inbox scary guy with the knives. What what other things came up? I get, uh, I get direct solicitation for sex, or I will get um, skateboarders with the you know the the baseball cap to the side or something you know what i mean which is fine but it's just not it's so not what i would normally true i get i guess it sounds like regular stuff like i hear so many people frustrated with online dating because there's such an you have to 
be able to cut through so much. And we, we actually, you know what you should listen to? Mm. I have a... I mean, this is from the with a male perspective. I don't think I don't remember. I don't can't remember if it actually matters though. But um, it's called OK Cupid Casanova. My friend Jason um, talked about how he has crafted his online profile to get like just maximum hits. Like he he's he's I'm always impressed. This is by interesting. His online savviness. I'm curious about you and this very mature decision to step away. And because it, cause it sounds like there is the, like you're kind of freaked out by the fact that you almost can't trust yourself, it sounds like. Yeah. And I, I don't really know what's going on. I'm, you know, I'm very private. I'm very much an introvert. And so if I'm going to spend time with somebody, it's got to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll just be by myself. I really am fine with that. But um, there comes a point where you want to have some intimacy. Yeah. So... What do you do? I don't know. What you know? do you do? I don't know. Oh. Um, I want to study love. I want to and the mating game. Part Helen, Helen Fisher. Up. Really? I, I've met so many people who hate Ellen Fisher. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should I should take a look at her work. I just have. I know. I've just been told a lot of awful. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's right. Um, I mean, doesn't matter. It probably matters, but it's not. It's, <laughs> I, I'm not informed enough to really state anything particular right now. Um, okay. All right. Oh, Lady oh, Cheeky. No. Sandra. Oh, El Chase. Oh, now. You. answer to both. Bless your heart. You. You now. You. We didn't even talk about uh, Mr. Hussey. Matthew Hussey. Oh, it's okay. We don't need to. Um, okay. We don't need to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> boy. Yeah. Um, uh, where can people find you out in the world? I mean, is there a particular email or Twitter or, or where would you like people to contact you? Um, Twitter, Lady Cheeky and um, LadyCheeky.com, SmutForSmarties.com. I also have LChase.com now. Um, could be emailed at TheLadyCheeky at Gmail. And uh, I think those are all my particulars. All right. Yeah. If you want to yell at me for my <laughs> for my dating notions. Oh no! Yeah. Uh, no, our the people, you guys who are listening. If anything, when I talk about the things I'm struggling with, I get nothing but just people being like, "I can look, I can help you out." This is this is the deal. Yeah, like, people are really sweet. Um, and that's why I like this community. Everyone's oh. it's the nice part of the internet. People oh, are good, that's good. Okay, um, high five! Woohoo! Go team! Fun. Thank you. I need another one. All right. Do we have a dating trauma from third grade that you're worried about triggering? <laughs> when I was in the fourth grade, the only boys that would talk to me are the ones who wanted to copy my homework. Oh. Oh. I came a long way. <laughs> long way, baby. <laughs> the hotness here with me today. The hotness. Uh, hi, sex nerds. Hey, uh, Sandra here. I am in a very sexy red office. In case you don't remember the last time I mentioned a sexy red office, it was when I was with a marriage and family therapist and extraordinary human being, Kate Laurie. Hi. Hello, Sandra. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) God, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited because I just had a conversation with Lady Cheeky, who everyone listening just listened to. I hope. And they um, got to share in with her story and this conversation around how the hell do we choose a partner? Um, And I don't really have the answers, but I remembered that when I've been in struggle around this, I've actually talked to you and you've said some pretty wise freaking things to me that really helped. So I thought I'd tap you for some 
um, brain knowledge and feelings around this subject. What do you think? Well, I mean, basically, when you think about dating, you know, if we imagine there's a table in front of us with about a thousand sunglasses and each one represents a different lens that you can look at dating. I mean, that's pretty much what the reality is. That There's so many different ways that you can look at and approach dating. And so whatever I throw out today is just a few theories or things that I think either worked for myself or other people. And, you know, that's where I come from. Good. Excellent. That's all. That's all we ask for. <laughs> that's all we ask for. Perfect. Uh, um, so there's okay. There's two major philosophies that I've I've heard people say when it comes to choosing a person. One of them is the list formula, where you just have the list of like, oh, I'm looking for a guy who's older than me, so sometime maybe in his late 30s, to early 40s. Um, great job, great hair, um, hot physique, and really loves dogs. Is that? I feel like a lot of people have these lists. And I oh it drives me crazy because I don't know if if that's really that helpful to have a list mm-hmm. of what you want because because I feel like people don't really know what they like they may think they know what they want but won't know that won't tell them what actually will work for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, Well, I have a thought. I have two thoughts. One thought backs it and one thought is kind of contrary to it. The part that supports it is just that attitude or idea that you've heard a million times, which is that idea of if you visualize it, it will come. If you create your little vision board that you're more likely to get what you want. So in some ways, you know, really writing things down and fleshing out in your mind exactly what you want um, ups your chance of getting it. But on the other side, it's like a lot of this has to do with your subconscious and and things that are more primal that come into play. And so you can make your list all day long, but a lot of times what is really going to seal your fate into the next person you're dating are deeper things that you may not even be aware of. I would say 98.5% not aware of. Oh, maybe 93.5% not aware of. I feel feel that. And feelings are accurate, right? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, they're valid. Okay. Feelings are always valid. Um, I would look at it that way, you know, but, um, you know, when you basically think about dating, I mean, a couple of things that come into play are just your neurochemicals that can go haywire really fast. I mean, when you think about how quick it is that attraction can come online, like they say 90 minutes to four minutes or 90 seconds to four minutes, you know whether you're attracted to somebody. Mm -hmm. That's pretty quick. So and pretty quickly you have chemicals that are coming on board that are affecting your judgment. You know, so that's one thing that can happen. But wouldn't that gut feeling that goes along with an attraction like, yes, this person, this person, isn't that shouldn't we trust our gut? Because you're saying that affects our judgment. That sounds like it's maybe not the best thing to go on. What are you saying? Mm, I think our gut has a place, but we should just understand what makes up our gut. And part of that is this really primal response. If you think about it, um, our bodies are still wired um, from, you know, thousands of years ago, where it's more about, you know, our gut reaction is composed of all the things that happen with new relationship energy, right? So with new relationship energy or limerence, as some people call it, um, basically, you have the adrenaline that comes on board, the serotonin, the low serotonin that makes you obsess. Yeah, I'm really good at that one. 
And, you know, so that, you know, when you're obsessing, you think, well, I'm thinking about them all the time. I'm, I must be in love. This must be it. When really it's your, oftentimes just your low serotonin kicking in, making you feel that way, you know? But I've been in love, painfully in love and felt and told myself when I was feeling these feelings, it's just my brain chemicals, Sandra, breathe through it, just my brain chemicals. But then if I can't trust my brain chemicals, what do I trust? And what is in love if not that feeling? Uh, well, I'm not saying that you should ignore them. I, I do think that you should pay attention to them, but just under, just have some insight about it. You know, just as you said, you're aware of it, but it doesn't mean you have to fight against it. Um, and especially like if you're in a poly relationship, you can choose that person that's a life mate versus that person that you have that primal response with that really it's about sex. You know, I mean, a lot of that new relationship, um, the chemicals that come up, that's more of your body saying, let's breathe, let's bang, let's have sex. It's not necessarily, you're the one I want to grow old with. Those chemicals are not helping, informing you in that way, you know? And so basically, um, and so I don't, I don't want to make the sound too unromantic. When we start talking about these chemicals, all of a sudden it sounds, it really takes the romance out of it. And um, and I don't really want it to do that, but some of the things that I say may seem that way. And, and my questions are a little bit jaded. I totally own that. <laughs> yeah. But I also, for me, what helped a lot because I, I was the first, I was in love in kindergarten with mm-hmm. my crush. And I, mean, I have gone through all the ups and downs of, of being in love a lot mm-hmm. um, and different variations on that. And for me, learning that, Having these feelings and val- and making making sure that I acknowledge they're valid and all that, but knowing that I don't need to act on them and I don't need to make life decisions from those places. I think that for me was really helpful. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the other thing that I wanted to touch on, so that once we touch on these two things, the chemicals and also some ideas behind imago therapy, then maybe we can bridge those two things together and also get back to the romantic aspect of it once they, we have those two things out of the way. Um if you think about all of this through the lens of imago therapy, um, the person that you fall in love with is the person that can help you grow and heal. And I listened to this one speaker who came up with this kind of little game that you can play yourself that encapsulates um, one of the theories with the imago therapy. And it's this. So you take a sheet of paper and you write down three people that were major caregivers. So it might be your your mom, your dad, your grandma, and it doesn't have to be somebody that was there for you. It could be someone who abandoned you, a dad, you know, dad or a mom who just took off. But um, and then you write three positive characteristics and also three negative characteristics for each one of those people. Mm-hmm. And then you throw all of that in a hat and shuffle it around. And according to some people who believe more in imago therapy, the person you fall in love with will kind of be energetically a combination of everything in that hat. And so you might say to yourself, why would I fall in love with somebody who has the negative characteristics of my caregivers? And the idea behind it is that we fall in love with somebody who's reminiscent of that so that we can potentially have a corrective experience so that we might have situations with our new love that might feel Um, that might trigger slightly some of our pain from our past. But if that person is a more evolved version of all of that, that it can go down differently. It can go down the way we wanted it to in the beginning. Instead of dad taking off after a fight, our new love 
sticks with us at the end of that fight, hugs us and tells us that we're perfect just the way we are. Now you've had a corrective experience. Yeah, Yeah, and corrective experience. I remember we were talking, I think, at a bar. And I asked you about your marriage. Is it okay if I mention just sure. the, the lightest amount of details, just that uh, you've been with your husband for a number of years, and the first uh, section of years were really difficult. And I'm all like, girl, why don't you just leave that boy? And you were like, because I wanted to have a corrective experience. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, wow, <laughs> super wise, etc. I mean, I might be butchering that, but that was sort of the gist of that conversation that really was uh, in- pressed upon me uh your magical powers yeah i mean when i think about my personal story i was lucky to have a mother that when i was young was pretty much the dream mom she was the mom when i'd come home and if somebody bullied me or whatever she'd sit down she'd empathize with me and she'd explain to me she'd also explain to me why bullies act the way they do Mm -hmm. so i was groomed to be a therapist from the time (laughs) i was in elementary school and she was just lovely and she'd spend an hour with me meanwhile meanwhile my dad although he um was good for me in certain ways. Um, you know, he abandoned us when I was six, you know, no, no note took off. And wow. so, you know, the, the man I fell in love with who actually, one of the main things about him, he's my muse. He's the man that helped me be fearless enough to be specifically a therapist that serves the kink poly swing sex workers, LGBTQ community to come out as that kind of therapist. You know, a lot of the fact that I've been able to do that is to have a man like that, who always told me that I could do it and, you know, and that he knew I was the person that could be very open in that way. That being said, when we first fell in love, he was a handful and a half and we'd get into, I mean, we've been together for 11 years now and we'd get into fiery fights, you know, and I'm not talking about violent fights. I'm just talking about two really strong-willed people that were not going to cave, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, even if it got very intense, it always came around to us being deeply in love and committed to each other. And every time that happened, no matter how much we got mad at each other, that it always turned around to a place of deeply being committed to each other and loving each other and being able to express that in a deep and meaningful way. Each time that happened, that was a corrective experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know, Bringing it back to the uh, corrective experience aspect uh, that you were saying before, uh, and all the goods and bads. Are you connecting it to uh, having an ab- abandonment of, mm-hmm. a, of a caregiver and the fact that at the end of the day he was still around? Like, is that because I'm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it with my dad, although, you know, we had visitation rights and all of that. At the end of the day, he, he left and he wasn't really a father for me. But every time I would get into a fight with my husband, but we were able to work through it in that first year that was pretty intense. Every time we survived it and he was loyal to me and I was loyal to him and he did not leave. Every time he did not leave mm-hmm. was a corrective experience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It's, I guess, I don't want to, I feel weird probing you and stuff. Like, okay. okay. All right. Because what then I think of, because when I am in, let's say, a fight or argument, or if I have my insecurities come up with a partner, I, I, I've worked to explore, you know, what is coming up for me that maybe come, came up in my past, maybe in childhood. And, you know, where does that come from? And 
and I may or may not find an answer, but uh, when I think of those fights, I wonder to myself if part of the reason you were fighting is something was coming up around fear of abandonment or, or something. I mean, that's an overgeneralization or like um, was part of why you were fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, again, huh. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, that's exactly backing the analogy I gave with the the hat with all those positive and negative characteristics in it. It's that idea that the person we fall in love with um, gives us that opportunity um, that, yes, we will get triggered at times. That, yes, that person we fall in love with is more likely to trigger our old our old stuff than probably anyone else practically. But every time we get triggered, if we have some insight, if we're working on ourselves and our partner's working on on themselves, if both parties have some emotional intelligence, then instead of that being a moment to go, okay, time to take off, time to leave you because you're reminding me of everything bad in my past, um, it may be an opportunity for growth. Okay. That's good. Oh, sorry. Did I interrupt you? Well, I was just going to add, I mean, there's obviously a tipping point. If you're involved with someone who is violent to you, who is verbally abusing you and calling you, you know, a cunt or something like that, you know, then of course, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, a partner that, again, they have emotional intelligence, they're kind to you. And there's moments that um, you're still in your resilient zone, if in a sense, which I could explain what I mean by that. So I, I'm still talking about a healthy relationship. In other words, when I say all of the that I've said, I'm not talking about unhealthy relationships. Yeah, I guess that's the question is because um, I mean, in, in your description while recording, even though we, you and it, I may have know much more about our, our personal relationships, um, in, in your description it was, I was with a guy, and we were, we've been married for 11 years, and we used to have these fiery fights, but then at the end of the day, he wouldn't leave, so yay us, there was lots of love. I'm like, But some people fight, and it's not healthy kind of fighting, but right. because somebody doesn't leave out the door, somehow that's the trans, you know, that's the healing. And because some people may not know the difference between a fight that comes from like a misunderstanding and, and, a, and a place of hurt versus somebody who's like just kind of, you know, what's unhealthy fighting? Like somebody who's just defensive and blaming and blaming or, you know, doing that kind of stuff and not looking at themselves you know I, i'm just trying to think of different kinds yeah. of fighting because someone might be hearing this and being like okay i guess i should stay with them even though this is actually really terrible and toxic right right i mean yeah and that's why i was trying to to distinguish between a relationship that's workable versus someone who's toxic and therefore a toxic relationship because that, there is a big distinction and clearly the more you invest in a relationship the more vested you are the more you invest in a relationship the harder it is to leave and as you're with someone you have more and more oxytocin that's being released into your body you know the cuddle hormone and so when you leave all of a sudden cortisol the stress hormone is being released in your body. So literally leaving causes us a lot of pain from a chemical standpoint. A lot of times people go back to someone who's toxic, um, not because it's going to feel good, but they want that pain to, to reduce. They want that cortisol to go down in their body that can be painful at high levels. I, yeah, I, um, when I went through a breakup, which was, it was a good, it was important for us to break up because we just wanted different things. But it was with somebody that I was deeply bonded with. Um, there was a, a BDSM element that was just, I was so bonded. The amount of physical pain I went through was beyond anything. And I've had some intense 
heartbreak and loss around relationships but i had it was a level i had never experienced before and it's like you're i'm like well i had a lot of that cortisol (laughs) a lot of that (laughs) yeah i mean you know cortisol at its um there's a certain level with cortisol where it's actually a good thing but at too high of a level it's it's very this you know it's very anxiety provoking i mean it is the anxiety um neurochemical stupid (laughs) um okay so how do we choose a mate if we can't go straight on like i have all these feelings let me follow this like clearly this feels right um and having an intellectualized list is going to miss a lot of the subconscious and who we tend to choose you're saying comes from um it's they're going to probably have just naturally have an amalgamation of and bad characteristics from your caretakers when you were young. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any control in all this, Kate? Do we? Ca- how do we go about choosing well that works? To, I guess I, I assume the goal is to have a healthy, loving relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's the goal. This is mm-hmm. for long-term partnership. So, how can how can we choose well? Okay, well, I'm just going to kind of give an example to answer that. So a lot of it has to do with just our own self-growth and our own self-awareness. But say when you turned about 22 um, and you had been dating a lot between, you know, when you started and age 22, you realized that you kept on dating um, your dad. You kept on dating maybe, um, and when I say that, maybe your My dad... eyes got real big. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe your dad was um, emotionally unavailable. And so you're dating like, I don't know, like these rock stars that have a million women chasing them and, and they are not very available to you. And so you have that awareness. Okay, that's step one. So a lot of people think, well, if I could just figure out why I'm doing something, then I can solve everything. Unfortunately, that's just the first step. Because, okay, now your head knows. That does not mean your body or your feelings? No. And so that starts the pathway of slowly being able to choose a little bit better once you have that awareness. So you probably still might tend to fall in love with a man who's a little bit hard to pin down sometimes. Maybe he wants to go into his man man room a little bit more than you would like. But with awareness, you can choose a little bit better. You still probably will repeat a few patterns from your childhood. But the more you have self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and have been working on yourself, the better your chance that you're going to choose better. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, if you're self-aware um, and spend time thinking about this stuff, you're already going to get a little better. Mm-hmm. But then how do you how do you whip your emotions into shape? How do you get that pre-verbal part of your brain, all that reptile area to to get with it? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one, I mean, gosh, I could write a dissertation on that question. <laughs> but I think one first step is noticing the difference between the new relationship energy and something that might be more lasting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the core of it. Yeah, do a dissertation <laughs> in like five minutes. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I especially with my couples that come in. I mean, I have so many couples that come in or, or someone who's single come in and they're, they're poly. 
And, you know, when I say single, I mean an individual person coming into therapy that's married, but they're not bringing in their husband, say. And they'll be like, well, I'm thinking about leaving my husband because my lover on the side, um, I'm having all this, these feelings and it just feels, it feels like I'm on this great drug all the time. And surely, surely this is love. And surely I need to leave my husband of 20 years because I'm really not interested in having sex with him anymore. Classic, classic situation. I'm so glad this is the example. Yeah. What do you do? What happens? Well, I just, you know, tell them, just keep in mind that with your husband, the main thing on board at this point is oxytocin. You know, that Esther Perel wrote a whole book, Mating in Captivity, about this. You know, of course, she was talking about more from a monogamous framework that when we fall in love with a person and we have a long-term relationship, now we're in this bugaboo where we still want the known and the unknown. You know, the 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 known being someone who's secure, a family man, a, a guy that's good with our children, um, all of that in the unknown primal, you know, a guy that pulls your hair back and tells you that you are the hottest chick in the world, all of that. The unknown and the known can't exist in one person, right? So now we're in a quandary. And all we can do is manage that we can't fix it. And you know, Esther Perel talks about how one way that you can manage that is creating moments that feel um, exhilarating, whether that's going and skydiving with your partner of, of 10 years or whatever, where you feel that newness of doing something for the first time that can be brought into the bedroom, mm-hmm. you know. So um, let's see. I feel like I'm getting off track a little bit. So hey, I'm loving your uh, synopsis of some Esther Perel work. Love her. Love that gal. <laughs> so, okay. So reeling it back to the example I gave of the client that's in my office and saying, I think I need to leave my husband of this many years for this guy that I have new relationship energy with this new guy. One thing you have to keep in mind that this guy is not working out taxes with you. He is not arguing with you about who is taking the kids to school that morning. You know, all of that is off the table and, you know, with this guy, right? And not only that, but again, you have dopamine coursing through your body with the new relationship energy, which is akin to being on cocaine. Mm-hmm. You've got the low serotonin that's making you obsessed. You've got the adrenaline that's making your heart rate beat. And so you're thinking, well, surely I should run off with him. And I'm not feeling anything like that with my husband, who I just have that, you know, boring oxytocin that just makes me want to watch, you know, six feet or, you know, um, I don't know. That's six feet dated. under reference. <laughs> that's dated. Let's, uh, Game, of let's uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, know, Masters of Sex. There you go. That's a little bit better. Although that might be something that a lot of people watch with their lover on the side. If you're <laughs> like in that oxytocin place, um, it might be Game of Thrones and stuff. Although Game of Thrones can be hot, too. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, with that situation, you know, that's one thing I remind them of that, you know, um, be careful to toss away a long term relationship when, in fact, if you work on your relationship and realize, okay, so we're in this awesome, cuddly place. But if we work on a relationship, we can cultivate that newness, you know, and and cultivate that, um, that excitement that we might be able to get that back, you know. And then again, if you're talking about someone who's dating, um, they just have to realize that all those hormones, co- you know, coasting through them is just their body saying that this is a good person to have sex with. It's not necessarily, you know, telling you that this is the guy you want to grow old with, mm-hmm. you know. So then, you know, how do we decide 
who is the guy that we want to grow old with? And that that may be where some other things come into play, like asking yourself some questions like is and I'm talking about this from I, I guess I should generalize to talking about women. And, you know, I'm, I'm using the male female thing because it's, you know, I guess I'm somewhat coming from my own perspective as a female. But choosing that partner that is backing our human potential that they're there to help us reach our human potential, that they are a person that's growth oriented for themselves and you. Because if you hit a hurdle, if they are a person that's open to growth within the relationship, then that relationship has more of a chance to be, to have longevity, you know? Uh, I just immediately translated that growth potential to like the self-actualization, like hierarchy of needs uh, stuff, but I don't know if it's that basic, but um, mm-hmm. just being all that you can be in the life army. Is that what you're... Mm-hmm. Well, with growth, I mean, there are people out there who the way that they, their framework of looking at the world is very rigid. Mm-hmm. So it's either black or white. You know, for those people, it's a lot harder to have a long-term relationship with them um, for many reasons. If you have someone that's growth-oriented and is less rigid, then an argument or a disagreement with them is going to be easier because they're going to be able to see several shades of gray. Hate to use that (laughs) euphemism. Hey, we had the euphemism first before the book. (laughs) Exactly. So you're going to be able to, you know, they're going to have, be more likely to not come from a stance of wanting to win the debate, but rather come from a place of let's find a place that makes both of us happy, Mm -hmm. you know, which is going to be indicative of um, whether the relationship lasts in a lot of ways, you know, and also in terms of, I mean, so growth and, and being a flexible person Mm -hmm. um, really can help the relationship in so many ways from the microcosm of the argument, but also in the long term, because you're going to change over time. In 10 years, you might be a different person. And if the person you fall in love with is a rigid person, they might slowly try and box you into an old version of yourself or a different version of yourself that's not okay. And then that relationship probably is not going to last as long as if you're involved with somebody that has a lot of flexibility. I have two more questions because I know we're, this is going to be a very long episode and then it, but it's a juicy one. It's a juicy one. Um, what's an example of figuring out if your partner is rigid versus flexible? Because, uh, some people can have a really, uh, relaxed personality and a great sense of humor. Like, but then a couple years go by and you go, wow, this person right underneath all that, there was this, these strong walls and, and just no budging and they're, they're staying the same and they're making sure that everything fits into their little boxes instead of seeing how the world, you know, just what I've just, I've noticed that with people sometimes they perceive to be rigid is actually really fluid or vice versa. And I, I don't know if there's like a test question or like uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. just something that, how do you figure it out? I think it probably changes from couple to couple. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can be rigid, you know, over a million things, but there are certain things that are more specific to a couple and the longevity of a couple that matter more. You know, when you think about reaching your own human potential, what is that going to have to do with that may have to do with your career pursuits, it may have to do with how you raise your kids, it may have to do with spirituality or person, you know, just different types of personal growth. If you have someone that allows you to explore, it might have to do with sexuality, maybe all of a sudden, you're like, you know, I read this book, and now I think I might be kinky. 
Um, you know, your partner may not be kinky at all, but does he allow, does he or she allow you to um, explore those things? Yeah. Or is that person so rigid and so scared? Because a lot of times rigidity comes from a place of anxiety and fear, right? Mm-hmm. The more that you simplify your life, the the person who's rigid thinks that that's going to make their life easier. What they don't realize is the the world is not rigid and therefore um, it's actually not a really good coping strategy. Um, <laughs> right, not good, good survival mechanism. Um, I've noticed that I tend to, cause I'm come from a very strong growth place. I'm just, it's, it's almost a fetish for me, you know, curiosity and, and learning, ugh, super hot. Um, when, pe- when people tend to state their opinions like facts in absolute statements, um, I find that really unattractive. Mm-hmm. And then, but I won't necessarily judge right out, but if I will present something like, well, what about this? And they're like, nope, it's like this. I go, oh, okay, like that's my own personal test. I just realized, like I answered my own question. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah, that's the way I'll suss out someone for myself. And I'm like, oh, well, then we that's not very pleasurable for me to have a conversation with this person. I don't particularly want to go further with this human. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Because basically that interaction is a microcosm of what you would experience if you were dating them 10 down, you know, 10 years down the road, you know, when all of a sudden it's not just a simple light conversation. It is the difference between you being authentic and blossoming and feeling expansive in life versus feeling boxed in trapped and wondering if you need a divorce. Yeah. yeah. God, you, you kind of like know. Like you get all the clues right away on a lot of people. It's amazing. Okay. Last question. So I remember when I was young, um, in my teens and, and early 20s, when I would date, and because my hormones were extra, like it's, I mean, I've mellowed out and I've, I've, you know, the feelings that I'll feel with, with someone are familiar where the first handful of years, they just weren't. And what breaks my heart is a lot of people will get into a relationship uh, in high school or college. And I mean, it doesn't always break my heart. Some people are very happy, but they'll stay together after those fiery feelings pass and, and, uh, and they'll be working toward a, in their relationship and five years will go by and I'll get this email from somebody who's like 25, 26 and been with someone for eight years and they don't really know what to do because they're kind of stuck in, in something where they've committed, they've invested a lot of time and energy into, but it's not really working for them. They don't know if they chose well or not, like, cause they don't have much reference to anything outside of that first relationship that they've stayed in. Um, does anything come to you about, how to work with someone like, or any wisdom for someone like that, where they just, they just have no idea. Yes. Um, generally someone like that, you, when I hear you talk, I almost get the sense of this person that's a little isolated, you know, that person, the idea of them leaving that partner is too scary. So someone who's in a situation where making the big leap you know, I have people like that in my office. I always tell them, okay, making this big leaf is is obviously very scary to you. I can see your breathing changing. I can see you tensing up. So why don't we melt it down to something manageable? Why don't you just start doing something in your life that's a little scary to you that you want to do that you haven't done? I don't know. Take up the guitar, whatever <laughs> it is. Get your feet wet with something that's just a little bit scary to you. And so it's like a practice test. And then build up towards, you know, things that are more, you know, more of a risk, build that tolerance within yourself, 
And then if you come to a place where you decide you need to leave your partner or separate so you can explore dating other people, now you've fortified yourself emotionally. And during that time, hopefully you've built up resources, you've built up your friendships, you've built up um, groups that you can hang out with, and you've built up your own self-esteem, whatever that takes, so that if you do need to leave, that you're doing it from a place of having this big safety net. So if one string from that safety net falls away, you still have the safety net that's easily holding you up. Yeah, oh, that's great. That is some great, I would have never thought of all that. Good job. (laughs) Way to know things. But also because someone might find in that what they hadn't, what they were looking for their partner to provide them, they actually could have provided themselves um, as something that they were needing to feed whatever they were feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Because isn't it fun to just blame your partner instead of looking to yourself? Indeed. Indeed. You know, and a lot of times when we focus too much on our partner, they are holding everything. They're holding all of our pain from our childhood. They're they're holding the fact that we're pissed off at our boss at work, that we have a tendency to redirect so much anger at things that need to go other places on that one partner. And so it's important to be differentiated in our life and so that we don't put too much on one person. Yeah. Oh, man, we went all over the place. We started with um, how to choose a partner in our dating life. And then we finished with... Uh, how to figure out if we should leave that partner. (laughs) Um, Kate Laurie, thank you so much for taking the time with me and talking about this. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm always here in any way that I can support your awesomeness in the world. I will do that because I think you're amazing. I think you're doing really good stuff to help so many people out there. Well, thank you. So are you. Um, You have a practice in the Los Angeles area. I know you are available for individuals and couples who are swingers, who are kinky, uh, BDSMers, poly people, and just people, because you are so compassionate and uh, committed to excellence in your field, which I appreciate. Um, Where can people find more about you? Well, you can look at katelarie.com. That's Kate, K-A-T-E, Larie, L-O-R-E-E.com. Do I say your last name wrong? Laurie? Lori, Lori, I say it wrong. <laughs> Lori, oh, I learned something today. Beside all the other things that I just learned. Uh, okay, well, thank you very much. Go team fun. Yay, go team fun. Now leaving nerdist.com. 